Welcome to day 21 of the story that changes everything. Today's readings are Exodus chapters 10 and 11 and Psalm 9. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. So far in the narrative, God has afflicted Egypt with seven different plagues or signs. Water into blood, frogs, gnats, flies, dead animals, boils on the skin, and hail from the skies. Now, chapter 10 will describe plagues 8 and 9. First, God sends swarms of locusts to cover and eat everything the hail didn't destroy. The locusts even fill up the Egyptian homes. Are you ready for some foreshadowing? The east wind, that will later part the Red Sea, it's that force that blows the locusts into the land. And when the plague is over, the wind drives, like Pharaoh, the locusts into the sea to die. I mentioned in an earlier podcast that scholars notice some literary parallels among the plagues. One of those patterns is that every third plague, the third, the sixth, and in this chapter, the ninth plague, they happen without any meeting or warning given to Pharaoh. This ninth plague is thick darkness that covers the land. Notice the many creational themes in these plague stories. Here, it's as though All creation is going back to before the very first day of Genesis chapter 1, when there was only darkness. The text seems to imagine rulers like Pharaoh operating as anti-creators rather than co-creators with God as they were intended to be. Pharaoh's oppression of the Israelites unleashes all of these forces of uncreation, tohu bohu, into the world. Of course, Yahweh, who is not only the creator, but also now the recreator, will not only bring light out of darkness, but will again separate the waters and bring a people of a new creation out of them. Verse 28 in chapter 9 may be meant to be a bit of humor. Pharaoh swears that he will never see the face of Moses again, which is kind of a funny thing for a guy sitting in the dark to say. In chapter 10, God begins to declare and describe the tenth and final plague upon Pharaoh. Earlier in the text, God described Israel as his firstborn son. Pharaoh has tried to demonstrate his power and control over their life by enslaving them and even trying to kill these people who are God's firstborn. But now God will turn the tables and demonstrate his sovereign control over all the firstborns of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. When that happens... Those who earlier made the Israelites cry out, cries that made it to the attention of Yahweh, they too will now also cry because of the great reversal of God's judgment. I think it's important to see in the story God's judgment not just as anger and wrath being poured out on hard-hearted Pharaoh and the people. Judgment in this case is simply receiving the divine great reversal of what one has already inflicted upon the lives of others. It reminds me a little bit of the ghost of Jacob Marley in A Christmas Carol. The chains of judgment that Jacob wears and the chains that potentially await Ebenezer Scrooge. These chains were made by themselves in life, link by link and yard by yard. These plagues that are inflicted on Pharaoh, so many of them have echoes and remnants of the ways in which Pharaoh has already made life hard on the Israelites and now that rebounds back upon Pharaoh and his people. The final judgment will be painful. Pharaoh will not only give the Israelites permission to leave the land, but God says they will be driven out of the land and they will even be blessed as they leave. The psalm for today, Psalm 9, has several lines that resonate with God's justice in Exodus. 
Scholars believe that Psalm 9 and Psalm 10 are likely part of one longer psalm originally. They're both what are called alphabet psalms. The first word of each statement begins with one of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Your translation may actually include the Hebrew letter to the left of each paragraph. Psalm 9 uses the first 10 letters, beginning with Aleph and going to Kaf, and it praises God for divine justice. Listen to some of the lines. You have established justice for me in my claim. You've denounced the nations, destroyed the wicked. The Lord rules forever. He assumes the throne for the sake of justice. He will establish justice in the world rightly. He will judge all people fairly. The Lord is a safe place for the oppressed, a safe place in difficult times. Those who know your name trust you because you have not abandoned any who seek you, Lord. The Lord has not forgotten those who cry for help. There are some Christians these days who push back against the themes of justice or social justice and the connections there to Christian faith. But five times in Psalm 9 alone, the psalmist either calls for justice or praises God because God does justice. God's justice can be a difficult conversation and a difficult concept to deal with. It's much easier to think about God's love. However, as we read this psalm and the Exodus narrative, especially from the perspective of oppressed Israelites who have not only been enslaved, but also have faced attempted genocide, If God is not just, if God does not reverse the fortunes of the oppressed, if God does not allow those who've unleashed forms of uncreation in the world to experience some of the pain and chaos that they have unleashed on others, then we have to wonder, is that God even good? These are challenging texts before us today, so read them carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Listen to what the Spirit might say to you through the Scripture. Journal some of your reflections, questions, and prayers, and be both thankful and maybe a little bit wary, to borrow from C.S. Lewis, that our God is good, but not safe. God will not let our injustices go unanswered. Our readings for tomorrow are Exodus chapters 12 through 14. I'll talk to you tomorrow.